why would people want to listen to us in the first place? Right. So why? I don't know. I mean, we're kind of fun. I mean, here's the thing is that just because we enjoy hanging out with each other, doesn't mean anybody else would or does. I, I would guarantee that. Yeah. So, so that's one thing I was thinking about. I was like, okay, well, we're funny. Are we? Hmm. Uh, we're knowledgeable. Are we? Hmm. Um, maybe because uh, that was the only answer I could come up with is I think uh, ours could be a podcast where people listen to it and they want to be in the room with us while we're talking, whatever we're talking about. Yeah, you know? for sure. So we can talk about whatever we want to talk about. We just have to like be likable enough that people want to sit in the same room. Oh, slippery slope. Yeah. Right. Not, not sure they, they want to get into that. Uh huh. Of trying I mean, I'm pretty sure they want to get into that because they would definitely want to listen to us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I guess sometimes you don't have to necessarily be likable for somebody to want to sit in the same room with you. Uh, so why do people listen to podcasts? I don't know. I think for a lot of reasons to escape. Yeah. To, okay. uh, the people I've talked to that listen to podcasts a lot are usually listening to podcasts while they're doing something else. Maybe right. they're running or they're folding laundry right. or like, uh, you know, taking a train and just wanting something to block out the noise with. So it's not always a super active process, mm-hmm. the listening experience, but they listen to it and they do get sucked into the story. But it's also accompanied by another activity, which I think is really interesting because I don't think there's a lot of other media out there like that outside of music. Right. I don't know. Maybe people want to listen to us because we just have fun talking to each other, you know? I think so. That's why when you said we should do a podcast, it's like, okay, I have fun talking to you. I assume you have fun talking to me. I mean, uh, I can't speak for you. I'm not in your head. But, you know, you put up with me enough to I assume that, you know? So if we have fun talking to each other, maybe people would have fun listening to us. So what happens if nobody listens to us? Do we take that as a... Oh, I guess we're not very fun to... I mean, does it matter? I don't think it matters. I don't think... I See, this is the thing. I didn't I didn't agree to do this expecting people to ever listen to us. It just sounded like some fun sort of project, you know? But I think that's a good, like, safe playing field because this isn't necessarily us trying to pretend like our opinions and thoughts are so important that the whole world needs to hear it. Right. It's more just like we enjoy having thoughts and talking about them. <laughs> we could call it that. We enjoy <laughs> having, having thoughts. thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is going to be terrible. Cheers. I mean, it could be. It could be so bad that people listen to it because they're like, oh, I got to listen to that train wreck. You know what I mean? But I don't really think we're train wrecks. That's the thing. It was like... We're not so annoying that it would be a train wreck. We're not so educated that we will be informing people. We're not so funny that people will put it on to laugh their heads off. But I think we're likable. Sure. You know? At least we have to keep telling ourselves that. Yeah. Maybe maybe we can call it, hey, listen to us. We're likable. <laughs> <laughs> I think people will listen to this because I'm friends with you. <laughs> no, nah, because you're, you're you're Rob Hanna. You're an epic human being. You know, uh, 
You're you're half Asian, half Irish, so you've had that experience growing up in a half racist country, America, and then moved to a former racist country, Germany. And now you've been living in Germany for five years and have had that experience. You've also played in countless punk bands through the years and have toured the States in America almost a hundred times collectively, I'm sure. Put out many, many albums. You used to do a zine and a, and a record label of both the same name, Aborted Society. So you put out a, a lot of zines that people have read and you put out a lot of music people have listened to. And I think you have lived an interesting life and have world experience that uh, I think makes for an interesting story. That's a glowing review, and I'll take it. Thank you very All right. much. Cool. <laughs> I was, I was, I was thinking about it earlier. <laughs> what would I say about Rob? <laughs> and likewise for you, kind of had your beginnings in the Northwest. You're one of the few people. It's actually a Seattle native, which is a like a unicorn for people to actually live in Seattle. That's true. You right. really made your first waves playing in bands, most notably Blood Clots, which you led and were in for, what, six years? Seven yeah, I think years? six years, yeah. Later in World Funeral? Well, for six months. <laughs> for six months. <laughs> uh, I watched you... You know, in the beginnings of your college education, getting your Bachelor of Fine Arts at UW. And at the time, you were studying sculpture, and you made the most insane sculptures I've ever seen a human do. And you got onto this path, like getting into and really being obsessed with visual art led you into the world of tattooing. You became a world-renowned tattoo artist in a very short amount of time, traveled the world countless times over, making a name for yourself, winning a shitload of awards, really specializing in, you know, realistic black and gray work. And you've really made a name for yourself. It's been kind of amazing watching your trajectory as well as a creative artist. Yeah. You, Thank you relocated to Berlin just before I did, maybe six months, a year before I did. Before that, you were the co-owner of uh, Apocalypse Tattoo, which later you became a, a co-owner of Studio Arcanum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, after more or less. Sort of, more or less. It's a weird sort of apocalypse, sort of Arcanum, sort of not, sort of, yeah. Relocated to Berlin. Uh, spent the next five, six years traveling more than anyone I've ever seen in my entire life. You were in a different country every three weeks for five solid years, which is really, really impressive. You went all over the world and really left your mark everywhere you went. Everyone in the world knows you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Also, we've been uh, very closely aligned for the last 25 years. You met me when I was 18 years old and had just moved to Seattle from Colorado. Right, right. We lived in three different houses together. We went on tour a couple times, traveled Europe, early 2000s. We've really had kind of a long timeline. Of right. being involved in each other's lives. Huh. So that's another thing of like why people would listen to this. 
because you and I have known each other so long and have shared many uh, interesting stories together, but our lives have also kind of ran a sort of similar thing. We've kind of both stayed with one foot in the punk scene, but we've also become successful in other avenues, you know, and we've always tried to stay informed about politics and art and science and all of that. And yeah, I think uh, people like to listen to a couple old friends talking because it makes them feel like they have an old friend that they're talking to. You yep, know what I mean? For sure. Well, I was going to say that was one thing that I always found unique about my friendship with you is like you were one of the only people I knew who was as deeply invested into punk and subculture and radical politics as you were about pursuing your goals and your dreams. A lot of people in subculture don't allow themselves that space. Yeah, like yeah, I feel yeah. like they feel like their life has to be dedicated to punk and that's it. Right. And it stops there. Right. Um, but, you know, you were one of the only people I knew that was like pursuing a degree and you were, you know, reading a lot of books and studying and, you know, you had like another level to your uh, existence that wasn't just belonging to a subculture. Right, right, right. Uh, and, I, and the funny thing is, is I felt the exact same thing about you. It was almost like a, uh, like a contest. Like, oh, Rob's doing cool shit. Hmm. <laughs> I gotta do cool shit too. Oh, Rob. Oh, fuck. He's doing. Okay. Well, I gotta do that too. You know. I don't want to be boring like everybody else. So it was cool having you as a friend. And it wasn't like a like a toxic comp competitiveness. No, no, it was no. almost like inspirational, you know? It's like, okay, cool. I'm glad I'm friends with this guy because watching him do shit kicks my ass to do shit, you yeah. know? Not like I wanted to be better than you. I wanted to like, I was inspired by you, you know? Yeah, it's like a symbiotic cool relationship. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was a cool fucking thing. Yeah. So how did we meet? Well, I was walking down the street with a big group of punks. Uh, half of them are dead now. <laughs> it's true. That is, but that was really 25 true. years ago. It was the punk scene. We all live very fast adrenaline lives, and that's just how it is. And, and I walked by you. You had a, I think it was a mohawk or spiky hair of some sort, and a studded. A uh, denim jacket on, I think, uh, studded vest. Uh, so you you looked like you belonged with us, but I didn't know you. And I was, I thought to myself, I know everybody in this town that looks like that. <laughs> Who is this? You're on a payphone calling somebody. But I almost thought you were on the payphone to, with nobody on the other line. You were just <laughs> hanging out on the street with the payphone on your ear, just kind of checking out what was going on, you know? And I, it just kind of rolled through my head of like, I bet he's not even on the phone with anybody. I'm going to fuck with this guy, and he he needs to hang out with us. So I said, hey, who are you? Said, oh, I'm Rob. Oh, okay, cool. Well, we're going to go drink. You want to come with us? And he said, yeah, okay, and you hung up the phone, and I was like, I got you. There is nobody on the other line. <laughs> Although you probably really were talking to somebody, but whoever you were talking to was probably not nearly as interesting as seeing this like flood of punks 
walking down the sidewalk. Well, I have to know where these guys are going. This is interesting as fuck. So whoever's on the other line, sorry, this is only costing me a quarter to get rid of you. you know? That's funny because I, I remember it a little differently. Like I was next to a payphone, but I think I was sitting down against the wall. Okay. Because at the time, this was the late 90s, uh, about 97 in Seattle, and I was on yeah, Broadway. Yeah. And Broadway, you know, when I first moved there, I didn't know anybody. It was right. kind of an, almost an accident that I ended up there. So uh, I just heard that, like, punks like to hang out on Broadway. So I would, right. we you do. know, on weekends, I had nothing to do. I didn't know anybody. So I would just, like, sit on Broadway and just, like, hang out. And <laughs> Unfortunately, in the first few like weeks that i lived there i met a lot of junkies <laughs> because that's what junkies did and i was like okay but, cool a lot of the punks, all the punks the junkies, in seattle yeah. are on heroin that's cool i guess <laughs> i don't really want to do heroin but you know whatever right um, so you were kind of waiting for something to happen that is exactly what happened exactly you were kind of waiting for us to come pick you up. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and we did. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Know? And how often does that happen? I'm just going to sit here and wait for exactly what I want to happen. Happen. Done. Cool. <laughs> well, that was kind of the magic part about that era. You know, before all of us had, you know, a lot of, before even a lot of us even had cell phones. Right. If you wanted to go meet up with people, you just went somewhere where you knew people right. were going to be. And that's how, that was how your social networking worked. Well, you weren't 21 either. You couldn't go yeah, to, definitely a, not. you couldn't go to a bar and just hang out and meet people. How the fuck do you meet somebody in a brand new town if you're not even 21? You know, you find out where the punks are. What, what street do the punks hang out and panhandle, you know? Yeah. Or just show off how punk they look, you know? And then we went around uh, to the side street to, to a house. You guys were with the, the backyard of a house. So we were with Jello, and mm -hmm. he had some friends with the backyard. They were throwing a party in the backyard of a house. I don't even think they knew who owned the house. We just all kind of congregated in the backyard of this house. I feel like there was some fire spinning yeah, going there was a, on. There was a fire performance just randomly, and then one of one of the friends, I almost think it was Squints, had sex with a girl on a dirty mattress right there, and we were all kind of laughing about it. And that's just how the scene was back then. It was just kind of like you never ever knew what was gonna happen, and that's what I, that's what I really miss about those days. Is you never knew what was gonna happen. You know, now now I feel like you go to a concert or hang out with people in the park, even, and you know you're gonna have a few drinks, have a chat, have a few laughs, and at the end of the night, say your goodbyes, and that's it. From the connections I made meeting you, and also. Uh, you know, I met the future drummer of my first band, Phalanx. Well, not my first band, but one of my first bands in Seattle. Nick. Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nick Rogerson. I met him going to shows at uh, the Velvet Elvis. And uh -huh. so he and I became really good friends. And I met like two different sides of the Seattle punk scene around the same time. Mm -hmm. And every single time I went out and met with people, I would meet like three or four other people. Right. And, I, you know, I was kind of an antisocial person in Colorado. Like I was really a, much of a loner. I only had a couple close friends. And so moving to Seattle, I kind of had to learn how to become a social person. Mm -hmm. So I went from being like nihilist and weird and, you know, outsider person to like becoming a social person. Right. And it was so cool because 
I'd never been surrounded by so many people that had similar interests that were more or less on the same wavelength. Mm -hmm. And that was like uh, moving to Seattle was like the best thing I possibly could have done at that time. I don't know what would have happened if I didn't end up there. Yeah, it's a strange thing to think about, you know. It's a strange thing to think about uh, how our lives would have been different if I would have just kept walking when when I noticed you on the street. Yeah, you know maybe I, mean? I would have just ended up dying of a heroin overdose at 19 or something. And, and me as well, you know, oh. who the fuck knows? Do you know Kyle auditioned for the lead in Home Alone? <laughs> I do. <laughs> and it came down to him and Macaulay Culkin, but his face slap in the mirror was not as good as Macaulay Culkin's. So sometimes I used to look at him and be like, <laughs> I could be hanging out with Macaulay Culkin right now, and Kyle Palmer would have been the person that was famous. You know what I mean? It could have been a total role reversal, you know? And how would life have been if my best friend was Macaulay McCulkin? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really weird parallel universe. It is. It is. Yeah. Life's kind of full of that stuff, though. Like these seemingly chance encounters. If When I met you on the street and Broadway, there's no way in hell I would have had any idea that we would be living in Berlin 25 years later. <laughs> right? Yeah. <You know? laughs> I mean, I had some like, I went, I had some uh, preconceived notions of like moving to Germany back then because when I moved to college, you know, my sister Julie was like a Fulbright scholar and lived in Cologne for about a year and a half while I was in high school. And the first, you know, year I was in school. So I kind of learned about like this mystical world of Germany back then and was sort of entertaining the idea of like graduating. I was studying German in college and then I was going to like move and try to move here right after school. But uh. I ended up, uh, you know, getting sucked in and totally enamored with my life in Seattle and everything right, was really right, right. great. So by the time I graduated from school, I was already, you know, in bands that were touring and I was, mm. you know, I had relationships and I was having a great time and I didn't really see a reason to leave. Right. Same thing with me, you know, once, once I graduated from college, I did the typical backpack across Europe thing and thought, oh shit, I should, I should move to Germany. Or Holland, you know, Holland was actually my first choice. Um, just the people there were fucking hilarious. I always had a good time hanging out with them. And uh, but I realized that uh, I wouldn't be able to make any money as just a you know, failed sculptor with a you know half-assed degree. So kind of got into tattooing, thinking, okay, if I go over there, I could tattoo out of people's houses and make them extra money, and then just got wrapped up into tattooing, and and took me, what, 15 years to to move here. I thought it was just going to be like a, a year or two, you know, mm -hmm. just getting just good enough to where I can tattoo out of people's houses, you know? What, uh, what was the main draw or what what lured you into the idea of like leaving the u.s i mean probably because i had thought about it 15 years prior and started on that path diverged from that path and then kind of revisited it when uh i don't know man uh, to tell you the truth uh seattle just was not what it, it used to be you know 
In the 90s, we had so much fun. Everything was dangerous. Everything was exciting and, and uh, spontaneous. And it turned into this, you know, uh, uh, just a uh, yuppie city and uh, boring as fuck. But the Germany seemed like it'd be an adventure again, you know, where I didn't feel like I was having any adventure in, in Seattle. I mean, I moved to Portland two years before I moved to Germany. So Seattle, Portland, Germany. But then Portland was just like Seattle, just a, a better music scene, you know, but just drinking myself to death in both cities and not having any fun. Thought, uh, well, maybe I can uh, be entertained by life again in Germany. And I feel like I'm entertained over here again because everything's new and different, you know? Even just figuring out how to uh, push a door or pull a door is an adventure, you know? Zien for pull, drücken for push. I say it right? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. My pronunciation is shit, but, you know. So there's that whole like starting over thing. So you're, you're learning how to tie your shoes again. And it's really fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think for me, it's a similar experience. Like my life in Seattle was good. I didn't, I don't feel like I was running away from it. Right. But I felt like uh, in the last like a uh, couple of years that I lived there, I just didn't really feel like I was like growing or. No, same. Or, yeah. You know, exactly the same. It's like life is good, but it's like, is this just how it's going to be for right. the rest of my life? And, right. and, you know, and one lucky thing is like my, my parents were avid travelers and we went all over the world as kids. And so from a young age, I really got to see a lot of different perspectives of what life is like. Yeah. And I think that's important. Yeah. You know? And I just always had a dream of, you know, trying to live abroad and having a completely different experience so right. that at right. least I wouldn't feel like, you know, when my time comes to pass that I like wasted that opportunity. Or There's two types of people in this world, people that work really hard to make their life easy. And then they sit back on their laurels and say, cool, life is easy. Now I can live the rest of my life in this easy way. And that's what I worked for. Uh, you and I, we worked really hard to make our lives easy and then looked at that and said, cool, boring. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be difficult again, yeah. you know? Uh, the difficult is a challenge and the challenge is interesting and it starts firing off your mental neurons again and and you feel like you're growing as a person and I think that's what uh, people like me and you uh, are interested in is, is growing as humans. Not, not uh, stopping growing because that's the easy part, you know? So, so what is this podcast going to be about? I think it should be about something different every episode. I think it should just be about two old friends with their inside jokes that people want to listen to every episode till they finally get the punchline of the joke, you know? And one episode, maybe we talk about, okay, 
There's a pandemic. You wear a mask, I wear a bandana. What's the pros and cons of that? And we can go from there. And one episode can be like, what's the hardest part about living in Germany as an expatriate? And one episode can be about, man, I needed new underwear and none of the underwear I was buying would fit. I've bought three different brands. None of them fit. How do you figure out what underwear to buy in this world? You know, you read the reviews, but everybody's different downstairs. So who is the right person to listen to? You know, how do you buy underwear? Can you help me? I'm tired of buying different brands of underwear. You know what I mean? So I think every time it could be like, like, uh, what's, what's the most important thing on your mind right now, this week, today, uh, or generated by the last podcast? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And I also can honestly say I've never read reviews of underwear. But now that you mentioned I, it, I, unfortunately, I have. So I was like, "Why can't I get this right?" The 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 fucking epic underwear quest of 2020. You know, Ooh, epic underwear quest of 2020. <laughs> that's a good title. I think that's what this. I think that's what this episode's called. <laughs> hey, we we could we could do a podcast. Uh, what kind of underwear do you think Joe Biden and Donald Trump wear? I think. Uh, Joe Biden. Trump tidy whities all the way. Definitely tidy whities And Biden boxers. Plaid boxers. Plaid boxers. Oh, yeah. Or maybe like uh, white ones with blue vertical stripes or something. I mean, you know, Trump has to wear a wife beater. <laughs> it's just in the name. <laughs> oh, man. Well, but, we still haven't come up with a name, but I feel like right? that'll appear in some form. Right. I feel like it'll appear uh, when we re-listen to this one. <laughs> like, oh, that was a good quote. Maybe that's a name. Yeah, you know? and then we'll have to like uh, re-record the intro. Because I think the thing is, is with band names, you're always thinking about, God damn, you take the bus, you walk down the street, you're at work, you're thinking, what the fuck am I going to call this band? You know, a bucket of dirty knives. I don't know. That's what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> You know, so, uh, for instance, if you're a dishwasher, you know, but uh, we, we, we talked about it a little bit last week and, and the whole week, I really did not spend a single moment thinking about what we were going to call this. <laughs> <laughs> the great underwear, <laughs> the great underwear crisis of 2020. <laughs> Mr. Podcast. <laughs> Mr. Podcast. The movie. <laughs> okay, let's leave. Uh, let's leave this episode. Podcast now in plus sizes. <laughs> let's leave this episode on uh, just a series of free association ideas of podcast names. All right, and then we could start uh, the the next uh, episode of okay those free association names. Uh, what do we get out of that? Yeah. Okay. Burping away from the mic. Burping away from the mic. <laughs> uh, my shoes hurt. Oh, what was my shoes hurt? My shoes hurt was from Mr. Show. Oh, right, 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 right. Now, yeah, now I remember the episode. We should just rewatch Mr. Show and pull something out of that. It's like, true. That was that's good. That's a, that was the peak of entertainment. We, we call the show uh... <laughs> Mustard Anus. <laughs> 
Well, one time I thought about starting a church, and I thought about it. If I was to do a church, I would take every religion that had ever existed and pull out the commonalities of every single religion and what every single one had in common. That would be the religion I'm going to start. And I, the more I thought about it, the more I was, thought, well, I think that would just be things that are just naturally true. Okay, so it's the Church of Truisms. So me as the preacher, I was envisioning this, me as the preacher, I get up in front of the crowd and I say, okay, I am here, and so are you. It's Sunday. The sun is out right now. You're listening to me speak. <laughs> There's actually something to be said about that. It's like pure realism yeah but it's almost as like watching the news then you know because because once you cross that boundary of like okay right we're we already know all that then you get like there was an election this week one party is denying the results the other party is embracing them cool we already all knew that you know uh so what so so where do you where do you get with truisms it can be funny as an ideal but you can't really go anywhere with it you know there's only so far you can go with it you know it's like those new electric scooters right you can talk about the things that have been invented but you can't really talk about what hasn't been invented yet so i would have to get up and invent things in order to talk about them interesting i like that like uh, an electric sports bra <laughs> <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of Mr. Show references forever. Yeah, this could this could even be a Mr. Show themed podcast, but it's not going to be. No, but we could have an entire episode dedicated to Mr. Show. That's a great idea. Oh, I, I, I will. We could do that. We can do TV. We can do art, you know, like, hey, I went to went to the museum this weekend. Oh, yeah. What museum did you go to? Oh, to Pergamon. It's this museum. In Pergamon. You can explain it. And people listening that don't live in Germany can experience the museum through our eyes. And then we can tell a, a funny story about it. You know, like, yeah. oh, went to the Pergamon Museum and I, I wore some of that underwear I bought that didn't fit. Always comes back to the you underwear. Know, uh, Something down there was hanging out the whole time. But since I was in a museum, I didn't feel like I could just reach my hand down my pants and adjust it. So I spent two hours uncomfortably looking at amazing artwork from the posterity. So there was an interesting dynamic with that. Sounds like it. Yeah. Did you get kicked out of the museum? No, I'm just saying, for example, <laughs> it didn't actually happen to me. Yeah. I'm just saying that's something I would like to have happen, you know. The underwear part or going to music? Well, no, I was just thinking about it. Like, I, was on, I, was on, I, was on, I was on the train the other day and I was wearing some of the new underwear and it wasn't fitting right. And I actually would have had to put my hands down my pants to adjust it. Since I'm on a train packed with people, you can't do it. And listeners probably don't know this, but they will now. Uh, I spend an hour on the train to get to work and, and back every day. So I'm on this train for an hour, just like shifting, shifting and shifting. And no, nothing. You got to get the hands down the pants for that one. Whatever was going on down there. I don't want to get too graphic, but the hand would have had to been down the pants. And I'm not that old or that crazy to where I'm just like, 
fuck it. Nothing matters. Nobody knows me. And gone for it. I just had to sit uncomfortably for an hour, you know? So reading my book, like, oh, this book is not taking my attention off of this. Okay, I'm going to look at my phone. Phone sometimes takes my attention. Make this train ride go by faster. You know what I mean? So the podcast could be about uh, bring it back to underwear. Yeah. It all comes back to underwear. <laughs> really? It's one of those things you don't actively think about a lot, but it's there. It's always there. Right. You don't think about it until it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good name. Ah, not bad. Not bad. So, wait, wait we were doing pre-association. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how our pre-association works. Pre-association is just rambling. Yeah. It's not throwing out random <laughs> names. It's just about telling random stories. <laughs> So what happened to you? Well, that didn't actually happen. I just imagined it happened. Okay, I guess that's free association, you know. All right, well, I think we've uh, covered a lot of ground. I think we covered a lot of ground. Uh, so now I think we know uh, uh, why people will listen to us, potentially. Potential. I'm not saying people will, but the potential. Yeah. For our six listeners that are still right. holding on at this point, we okay, might have okay. whittled you down to four, but... But no, there, there are the six people that will listen because they're emotionally invested with us already. But to get beyond the six people, uh, how would that potentially happen? And the idea is we don't do it for anybody but each other. We don't do a podcast thinking anybody besides those people are going to listen to us or even those people at all, you know? <laughs> I, I I lost where I was going with that. So maybe awesome, maybe, maybe that's why people will listen to it. You know, I think so. I think is like, a, uh, is a is a okay. I don't know where that was going, and it didn't go anywhere. But it was interesting ride to get there. Yeah, yeah. People will have no idea why they keep listening, but they're gonna. I think I think I think and you know, there's that stupid saying of like like uh, it's not the destination, it's the journey. Which is how I feel like this podcast is kind of geared towards. So I think the, the title should be somewhere in there. I think that would be a terrible name for a title. But I think we could play on that. Yeah. You know? No, it's, it's true. Because uh, the whole point is that there's not really a point. Right. How do we get from point A to point A and a half? <laughs> point a Cause, and cause, a half because we never got to point b we no, never actually not. really figured anything out no. but you know we got we got we got somewhere yeah. you know we didn't get to where we wanted to go but we got we still went somewhere we ended you know? up on a wonderful tangent oh exactly exactly wonderful tangent <laughs> <laughs> wonderful tangent sounds like a, what know. my mom would call the podcast <laughs> <laughs> you should call it Wonderful tangent. It sounds like a Garrison Keeler show on NPR my dad used to listen to or something. All right. So next week we pick up uh, trying to figure out what we'll call it again. Yeah. We'll, we'll uh, pick up the name issue. Uh, we'll uh, maybe figure out. Because uh, now we got a purpose. Definitely. We Once definitely you got a purpose, then you, then you can figure out what a name is. You know, I think it's easier. To name something once you have a purpose. Exactly. You know? So we'll do that. 
tune in next week when we figure out what the fuck we call this. Yep. Sounds so I'm good. Signing off. This was Jack. This is Rob. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> we say ciao in, in Germany because, you know, it's an international way to say goodbye. <laughs>